0: God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss.
1: And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have with us a dear friend, Matthew Reams, one of our younger set, and we're just delighted that he's with us. He's he's a worship leader and a minister that God is using in lots of places in the world. And we're going to have a lively discussion about don't let your offenses keep you from growing up. Welcome to the podcast today. We're just delighted that you're with us. And before we get started, Let me just encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and have a look at the other episodes that are out there on our podcast player. And there's a place to click on to subscribe and you can subscribe to our email lists. We have more than one. Have a look at what those options are. If you want to be hearing from us more of the things that we write and the things that we do, our events, sales in our bookstore, that kind of thing, you can find that information on that subscribe button. So today we have with us a dear friend who. Uh, has been working with us for some years now and he has been with us on a podcast before. I'll put a link in our show notes to the previous podcast that we had with when we had Matthew Reams with us and we're looking forward to having a tremendous discussion about not letting your offenses keep you from growing up. Offenses happen and Jesus even said that they would happen. But there are things that can happen that can really keep you from becoming that mature son or daughter of God. And that's what his purposes are all about in our life. So Matthew, we're delighted that you're with us today. Thank you so much for joining
2: us. It's good to be here today. I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We're glad you're here too.
1: It's always good to have you here. And uh, you're here with us to participate in and minister for us on our Friday Night Live worship And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. We stream every Friday night uh, on Facebook and YouTube and just look for Go Global Outpouring on Facebook and Global Outpouring on YouTube and uh, enjoy these things that we have every Friday night. We have a time of worship and a time of teaching and a time of prayer, especially for Israel and and what's going on in Israel so you know how to pray for Israel so Matthew what's on your heart today what's what's the Lord's been what has the Lord been speaking to you about
2: oh there's so many things good he's he's pretty good about you know just talking if we're good about listening amen you know there there's been a bunch of different things As we were talking about this morning you know about the idea of holiness uh, there's been he's been talking to me a lot about that actually just recently i taught a class not about our personal holiness but actually on the holiness of God yeah yeah and uh you know just the more you dig into that the the more fascinating it was but then as as you continued down that thread of thinking about his holiness then thinking about our holiness i began to really think about the the nature in which we interact with the kingdom mm-hmm and how much of what we do is set up for us to consume kingdom resources mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than to produce kingdom resources okay mm, okay and and the more i th- the more i thought about it, the more interactions i had with people who definitely demonstrated that they were much more content to be a consumer of the kingdom than they were willing to get their hands involved in the ground and the plowing and the all the work of the kingdom (laughs) so that they could produce something and uh, i had this this thought of how we inherit things from the kingdom and we could either look at that as being seed to sow or we can look at it to be meal to eat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a me- if we look at it as meal, it'll feed us and we'll we'll be content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we look at it as seed, then it bears fruit and it'll feed not just us but lots of people. It's true, mm-hmm. and that that is where I wish we as a people could come to an understanding in the church is let's let's let all of our resource be seed rather than being our meal. Wow, and. I don't necessarily. You, you, you no. have
1: to have some meal.
2: <laughs> some well, well, some meal. Yeah. But the. But you don't eat your seed. No. And if you primarily think of your resources, your promi- your promises, your inheritances, all of those as seed, then you skim off what you need to mm-hmm. eat mm-hmm. to sustain. But then you, you're sowing that much more. And, you know, we we talk, some people talk about like, oh, well, I gave my tithe, I gave my offering. But what if, what if you went beyond that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what if you looked at everything that you own as belonging to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Not, not just because, oh, well, that sounds nice, but because in reality, it really does.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Everything that we have was a gift. Uh-huh. He He blessed us. And you could say, oh, well, I worked hard to earn my money to buy this.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. well,
2: the breath in your lungs and the strength in your arms was a gift that God gave you in your life (laughs) to be able to do that. Yeah, And as a culture in the world, setting aside the church culture, you know, the world pumps this message 24-7 of serve yourself, get yours, do what you got to do, look out for number one. Right. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And... Then the, you go to a bookstore, for instance, and the number one best-selling books are psychological self-help books. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Here's the problem. You go to the Christian bookstore, if you can find them, they're becoming fewer and far between in mm-hmm. real brick-and-mortar stores. The best-selling books in the Christian bookstores are the Christian psychological self-help books. Yeah. The the And then... Next to those are the motivational, inspirational books. Mm -hmm. You know, we want the smiling preacher man that's going to tell us how we're going to get all of our dreams, how we're going to get all of our stuff, and everything's going to be great. But by and large, with as much as we've consumed those books, have we grown spiritually? Mm -hmm. And then the books that I know when I walk in and go, hey, this book is life-changing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're yeah. the ones that get relegated to back shelves, or a few of them might be considered classics, so they mm-hmm. get put on the classic shelf. hmm Wow. But we avoid those like the plague yeah. in our modern Christian culture because they challenge us. hmm to produce something. It's like you can go to a conference and you just get all fired up,
0: you buy all the cassettes we used to say, <laughs> now you buy CDs the CDs. MP3s. MP3s, And but how many times you go back and listen to them? The yep. message that just sets you on fire for that moment.
2: And then you know. how many people do you know, and I'm, we we've all been to enough conferences in our lifetime <laughs> yeah. that we should have a reasonable grid to make a correlation How many people do you know that have been from conference to conference to conference and had the who's who of great spiritual leaders lay an impartation on them Mm -hmm. and they don't do anything Mm -hmm. for the kingdom other than occasionally show up for church and get ready for that next conference and maybe buy that new book? And then of those books, how many do they actually read? That's another question, but... Mm-hmm. We we go to all these things. We, we consume all of this spiritual food, but we're not exercising our spiritual gifts. And mm-hmm. a lot of the church has now developed spiritual diabetes. Mm. Wow. It's just like we get all the
0: material, but it, it's like if you're if you're really connecting with God, it's feeding your spirit. But if you buy all these things, you know, you buy the CDs, this and that, it's like your soulish part got fed, but your spirit wasn't touched. Because if your spirit was touched, then you would want, you would continue more into it. So it's just like, what you get, it has to go through your spirit. And and we used to say, you could go to, go to meetings and say, man, that worship was, it was so good at the moment. But when you go out, it's just like, wow, you know, you don't, you lost the high. It was like being on a being on a something that that just gave you high, and then you came down, and what happened? You know, Sister Gwen has a, a book on that called "The Fine Line: mm-hmm. The Separation of the Soul and the Spirit Realm." Mm-hmm. And many times it's our soul that really gets fed, and we think it's our spirit. You know, but we don't have the discernment to know which is which.
1: You know, I th- I think a lot of this issue really stems from not having a clear enough understanding, perhaps there's not a clear enough teaching in most places, that would give people a goal of becoming mature in the things of God. And Mm -hmm. and maybe there's not enough models. I think that's a major problem. There's definitely
2: not enough models. Yeah,
1: there's there's not enough models. You know, you you would think that people who have lived long would have matured, but it's not necessarily Mm so. Uh, You know, people that especially woundings that have taken place in childhood that have caused a stunting of the emotional growth and that mm-hmm. that sort of thing um people don't understand that there's healing for that and and god wants to heal us he wants to restore us he wants to he he wants to get us beyond that baby stage you know paul mm-hmm. talked about it uh i have lots of things that i want to tell you but you're not ready for it. Yeah. I have to deal with you like babies instead of being able to give you meat I'm ha- having to give you milk. And and that's that consumerism issue in the church that we've got we've got consumers of milk that are not wanting to grow up. And and I think our culture has really fed that with television and games and internet and all these things to keep us in that childish way of of living for entertainment.
0: And then your milk mm-hmm. gets sour.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but if you if you just want to stay in that childish way. You know, Jesus said that you need to become as a little child. But childlikeness in in innocence is different from childishness in behavior.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's that's a thing that we run into where everything in culture is promoting childishness. Yeah. Mm. Whether whether it's the content of the television programming that is childish or whether it's just the way we handle conflict resolution. You know, this this whole modern culture of conflict resolution is built around. I don't like what you said. And so I'm gonna be mad at you. And it doesn't matter if you change your mind, I'm still gonna be mad at you. And there, it's graceless mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it lacks in forgiveness. And of course, Jesus said, if you don't forgive,
1: you won't be forgiven, forgiven.
2: Yeah, which is, which should scare us.
1: It should scare us. It should scare the hell out of us.
2: But in- instead we, we are content to live in our offenses. And, mm-hmm. we're, and then the more offended and the more trauma we experience, the more we look for something to distract and satisfy us. Mm-hmm. And instead of going to the one thing that can take away the pain and satisfy the longings of our soul, which would be Jesus and his mm-hmm. presence and his mm-hmm. sweet, glorious Holy Spirit, we run into hours of entertainment. Right. Which there's no shortage of in this right. yeah, in this modern true. day, you know. Even even twenty years ago, there was a limit on okay that you could watch TV, but there's only so many things on. Now right. yeah.
1: with we remember those days, yeah. <laughs> with
2: the advent of streaming internet, right? Not only can you watch something twenty four hours a day, you can pick what you want at any given time, right? To satisfy whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. feeling sad? Oh, watch some old episodes of a sitcom. Oh, you're feeling angry? Watch some violent movie where mm-hmm. someone's taking out all their anger. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, oh you, you you feeling this? We've got a solution for that. We've got an answer for that. All that is is
1: an open door to a devil yes. and we just we, we 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 yeah.
2: we continue to feed that yeah. rather than getting healed. And they've done studies, they've proven that when you especially with uh children that have come out of war-torn countries, mm-hmm. that when you have those kinds of heavy trauma that are undealt with, that it creates within you the fear, hoarding, um, an inability to process. And what are we seeing in even a lot of the church people? Mm-hmm. Those same exact things. Mm-hmm. Where and Whereas Paul, as you said, said you should be growing up. Mm-hmm. you should be doing these things but instead you're still living below mm-hmm. your identity mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. you're still living in this place where i have to give you the milk and i have to baby you and the church has become content and pastors have become content to be milkmen <laughs> oh wow that's quite a <laughs>
0: that's a very true statement
2: wow
1: yes yes wow. it's true you know it
0: was it was like beethoven you know, Beethoven was so successful. I mean, he spanned mm-hmm. the, you know, the classical era into the romantic era. You know, the big changeover in sound, and because he gave the people what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And if a pastor or or you know minister that if they give everything just what the people want to hear, it's, it's like they call that it itching ears.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yep. it's and you're not you know, all you're
2: getting is milk. You know, you're not you know, and and then there are great pastors out there yeah i I know some of them i'm sure there's a lot more than just the ones i know but a problem i've seen that some of them run into is they try to disciple well Mm -hmm. they try and bring the hard truths when necessary to help someone come through but our oversaturated culture has made it to where a lot of times when the pastor does try and bring the hard truth or bring the needed discipline The person's like, well, who are you to do that to me? I'm just going to start going to this church over here instead. Mm -hmm. And they leave offended because Mm -hmm. the pastor tried to disciple them. Then they go to the next church, and they're already wounded. They're already bleeding, and they just continue to bleed on all the people at this new church Mm -hmm. because no one's getting healed. They're just jumping from spot to spot. From offense to offense. And and it's not that the pastor is intentionally trying to offend.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's trying to say, hey, these are the things that need to change in your life for you to grow up and be the man or woman of God that you're called to yeah. be. You At some point, you have to be willing to compromise. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to receive. And receiving doesn't just mean meeting someone and having them tell you what you already want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, receiving yeah. means... If they give me the hard truth, I'm not going to get offended and I'm not going to run away. And, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people that I've been discipling. And as long as I'm encouraging them, they love it. Mm -hmm. But the moment I tell, I have, there's one person in specific. The first time I called him out on an issue and I said, hey, this is not okay. This is something you're going to have to fix and deal with. He didn't talk to me for three weeks. Wow. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the 3 weeks he calls me and says, "You did da, 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 offended me and I just want you to know I forgave you." <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and and absolutely put the impetus on you were in the wrong, but I'm going to take the high ground and overlook what you did. Wow. Rather than acknowledging, "Hey, let's talk, let's revisit that conversation. Was there truth in and what you were saying to me. Yeah. You know, and if I if I say something and I'm in the wrong, okay, I will repent to you. But if, if you ask me and say, hey, I want to be discipled, I want to grow, yeah. then you have to be willing to say, assume that when I tell you here's an issue I'm seeing that we need to work on, mm-hmm. I'm not just bored and trying to make your life difficult,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but if you are like a lot of people today you only want the happy smiling preacher that's going to tell you all the things that you want to hear and, and never you challenge it. you to do or change anything about yourself
0: you know a, a good example is the Gospels you know we got the four Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John and, and John has includes other stories that the others don't have but we don't know everything that happened on we got four that's Gospels true. And Jesus ministered for three years. So the disciples are with him when he first started, you know, called the fishermen. So he's with them for three years every day, except the times he disappears to get away from them, you know. And there's stories we don't hear. But how many times do they get offended? Mm -hmm. You know, especially Peter. You know, Peter would just, he would just blow up, you know, get thee behind me, Satan, you know. The Lord rebuked him because what you said was not, you know, that was of the devil, you know. I mean that was a real slap in the face. So what, what would happen if uh, you said that to somebody in your church today? Now, like you're saying, they'd be they'd be so offended they would they'd leave the church. But Jesus was not always easy on his disciples, and he didn't tell them anything. He didn't tell them about the woman at the well. They just went to get something to eat. You know, he had an appointment. Mm-hmm. And so many times God gives an appointment for you, though you don't know it, and sometimes you can get offended at God if you don't have that relationship because. You did this to me, or you embarrassed me in front of that person. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord's not embarrassing you. He's trying to help you grow. It's true. You know.
1: you know, I I have a theory that the reason why Judas was ready to betray Jesus was because at that dinner in Bethany where Mary poured out the alabaster box on Jesus' feet and Judas said, well that that could have been sold and and the money given to the poor and it's clear that he he wasn't really interested in the poor he just was the one who held the bag and he wanted to stick his hand in it yeah um but there's a there's a place where it calls judas simon's son
0: son of simon
1: and it also says that they were having this meal in the house of simon the leper and I just wonder, could that perhaps have been Judas's father? Is it possible that he got embarrassed in front of his daddy, and that made him so angry with Jesus that he was willing to betray him? Just a thought, you know, but that's what offense will do. Mm-hmm. You know, he was whether he, whether he was offended in front of his daddy or not isn't really that important, but he was offended that Jesus rebuked him yeah and and uh it was Jesus said, this woman is is anointing me for my burial, and it's going to be spoken of her in generations to come
0: and they didn't he didn't capture the first part he's anointing me for my burial, yeah, that should have made him think, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, I don't uh-huh. think he put two and two together no. that he was going to be the one responsible for jesus burial mm-hmm. uh, no. you know but but once he realized that he had he had done such a horrible thing as betraying the lord that uh you know he went and threw the money back and committed suicide and you know it was but it's all because of being easily offended mm-hmm. well he was also easily offended because he was greedy mm-hmm. you know these are things that are that can be in our in our uh i don't know it could be coming down our dna from previous generations that have been overtaken by greed but but the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. And if our lifestyle is demanding a certain amount of money or a certain amount of prestige or a certain amount of uh, whatever it is that we think is important to us, if we haven't come face to face with Jesus enough to let him deal with those things in our lives, then then we're just going to go on being babies and uh, having to have milk and having our pampers change from time to time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and there's a way to deal with offense too. For instance, um, Jesus, one of one of my least favorite Jesus quotes, he said, <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Bless yeah. and do not curse. Bless those who spite you and use you.
1: Mm-hmm. And do all manner of evil a- against you falsely for, evil.
2: for my sake. And mm-hmm. time and time again a lot of the people I see that get offended and leave, it comes down to, well, they they did this to me. They did that to me. They used me. And I ask this question of a lot of them. Most of them don't want to answer the question. I said, did God call you to be at that church? Yes. Okay. Did he call you to, to, to be there? Then you should serve there and be involved there. Well, they did this. Okay. Well, if they, if they spited you, if they used you, bless them. Ask the Lord, Lord, can I be released from this assignment? If he tells you it's time to go, great. But the moment you leave an offense and then start telling everyone about mm-hmm. your offense, you've gone from bless and do not curse to gossip, murmur, slander, and curse. Ooh, yes. And so even if you get offended and even if you're in the right that things were done wrong to you, Mm-hmm. There is a way to leave and to handle that where you don't bring judgment upon yourself. Yeah. Because if you move back into slander, if you mo- if you move into the gossip, your tongue is betraying you with every word. It's true. And I'm not advocating that if, if people are constantly using you and berating you and belittling you and abusing you that, oh, well, you have to stay in that church forever. Mm-hmm. But. There's a way to leave, and there's a, a way to respect and honor leaders that, you know, I don't have to go around and badmouth every person mm-hmm. that did something to me. And if I do, then it tells me that there's an area in my heart where I am still being held in shackles mm-hmm. to what they did Yeah. rather mm-hmm. than walking in freedom and forgiveness and overcoming.
1: Amen. You know, I'm I'm reminded of John Bevere's teaching about the bait of Satan.
2: Great book. yeah.
1: Great book. I think I've seen some of his uh, videos on it as well. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can put some links into the show notes. But one of the stories that he tells is how his pastor, now he was like an associate pastor or a junior pastor, something like that. And his pastor did something to him. I don't remember what it was. But it was very offensive and very hurtful. And, you know, John went home wounded, desperately wounded. And the Lord walked with him and led him through the process of forgiving and becoming the intercessor for his pastor to the point where later on, I mean, obviously, in, when you become the intercessor for the person who's wounded you, you much more easily forgive yourself. You forgive Mm. the person yourself Uh, because when you become the intercessor and you're asking God to forgive, then it makes it easier for you to forgive. But what happened was he became the intercessor for his pastor and he continued to work for him no matter what the situation was. God gave him the grace to have the right heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when the pastor got in trouble at some point something happened to him he came to john and asked him to help him so he was already in a position to be able to do that because he had forgiven he had dealt with the offense he had dealt with whatever it was you know and he was able to um being that intercessor he was able to help the pastor get through whatever it was he went through Mm -hmm. so you know it's a matter of this is this is part of growing up 101 and growing up is what we're designed for. We're not designed to stay babies. We're not designed to stay toddlers. We're not designed to keep on having temper tantrums all of our life. We're designed to outgrow those things. And and Jesus paid for us to be able to outgrow those things. Jesus paid the price for all of the hurts and wounds that we would suffer and that the person who did them to us would suffer because they did them to us
3: absolutely Mm -hmm.
1: so when we forgive and when we apply what jesus paid for it throws the the devil into uh, chaos he you know he's, he's trying to bring chaos but when we follow what jesus modeled for us then we're able to overcome because he's an overcomer. He's the overcomer and he lives inside of us. So there's no reason why we can't overcome. No matter how bad the horrible offense might be, we can overcome because Jesus paid for it.
2: Mm -hmm. Amen.
1: So in your experiences, can you tell us of a time where you had to go from being immature to waking up to the discipling process to say, okay, this is something I need to embrace instead of choosing to be offended.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I could probably think of like 12. But <laughs> well, just give us one. <laughs> one good one was when I was in my early 20s and I was involved in a church and I was the worship leader. And unbeknownst to me, I my pride, was causing me to be a harsh leader. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I had offended every other person involved in the worship ministry. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they all went and complained. And I had to have a sit-down meeting with the pastoral staff where I got told in no uncertain terms, you are a jerk. And, And that's the polite version. What they actually said to me was much more cutting. Ouch! they didn't mince words and they they shared with me direct quotes from people about how my leadership had offended hurt wounded etc and it wasn't that i intended to do that it's just that in my being quick and cutting and no nonsense i didn't take into account the you know, mm-hmm. you let your speech be with grace and seasoned mm-hmm. with salt. Side, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't always say everything in love. I just said, this is what needs to happen. So let's make it happen. <laughs> and I was told, you are being disciplined for this personality conflict. You are no longer the worship leader. Ooh. For the next six months, at least, you are not allowed to lead in the church in any fashion. Oh, wow. You you are expect it is expected that you will still come to every service like normal, that you will sit under the teaching, that you will have regular meetings with pastoral staff to counsel and work on these personality uh, defuncts. They were not going to let me do anything until this was fixed. And to think, wait, for the next six months, my whole life of ministry is gone.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I agreed to it. N- at first I was like, well, I don't really have a choice. But then l- looking back on it, I'm thinking taking six months to get healed is better than doing something that would disqualify me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And even even after that, there were still areas of my personality that had to be sanded and shaved. And there's probably still many parts of my personality that need to be sanded and shaved now. But it goes on all your life. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, but <laughs> we've been. I'm no longer in that position where my personality is so cutting that I am unfit to even serve in the church. There you go. Mm-hmm. And now it, you know a decade later or more, my whole outlook on life and ministry has changed. And one of the things I was actually talking with one of my pastors not too long ago, one of the things they said they appreciated about me is that every time discipline needed to be brought, I, you know, more or less accepted it. I didn't always do so with a smile. I didn't always do so going, "Yay, discipline, please, sir, may I have some more." <laughs> but I submitted myself because in that in that same ten year time frame, other people that were involved in the the church or involved in the ministry, they would they would be brought in for disciplinary action for personality conflicts, for moral failures, for whatever. And a lot of people said well, you don't have a right to tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm out the door. Bye. Wow. And, I, you know, I I'd never occurred to me that I could just say, hey, I'm not taking this. I'm out. And go somewhere else. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise God it never occurred to me because if it had, I might have done it. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it it stings when you're disciplined. It does. Yeah, it's
0: like if you knew it had to be worked on, so, you,
2: mm-hmm. you know, it... Wow, yeah.
1: so how did that make you feel in that moment?
2: Pretty low, you know the 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 being told how much of a jerk you are and hearing quotes from the people you thought were some of your closest friends about what they really think about you, mm-hmm. it's not a good feeling mm-hmm. and and at no and at no point did any of, of the pastoral staff try to comfort me. They were happy to let the words cut and then let me sit there in the sting until it sank in. Oh. And, uh-huh. you know, so, some people have a little more compassion and they, they cut you and then they, they rub it down. Like, oh, it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I didn't get that. <laughs> I got the stab, stab. Now let's watch you bleed. Wow. Um, knowing that it, and, until... Until the wound stung enough that it really connected in my soul, hey, you can't do this. This has to, this has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't good. You know, sitting out for six months isn't going to change you. Right. Yeah. Recognizing the sting that you've caused others, mm-hmm. and then desiring to change because of it—that's going to make the difference. Yeah. And, I, you know, I would never say, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd gladly let them stab me again and sit there and watch me bleed. Wow. But if that's what it takes to get to the plan and the purpose of God in my life, that's what it's going to be.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow.
1: So, Matthew, let me just ask you a question. Did any of the people on your team ever approach you about these offenses that they had?
2: Not not particularly, no.
1: So you were kind of blindsided by that?
2: A little bit. I mean, you know, you can kind of read the temperature in a room when, okay, something's not right. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between knowing, hey, something's out of alignment mm-hmm. versus finding out that you have literally offended everyone that you mm-hmm. are supposed to be helping.
1: And when you're young, you might not even be clued in that that those kind of things are going on. It, it you know, it's part of a learning process.
0: And sometimes oh. when you're old too.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's Well, great.
2: at 20 years old, I was a lot more ridiculous than I am now. Well, everybody oblivious. is
1: when when they're that young, you know. <laughs> we we think when we're 20 that we know everything. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: But but he, here's my my question: Did the leadership of the church also deal with them for not having come to you? Because that's really the way it's supposed to be done.
2: Well, they actually did, and it didn't necessarily look the same. Like that, they didn't receive the same chastisement that I received because what I did was different. But actually, at one point, it was publicly discussed that we, we they went through a teaching series talking about. Matthew eighteen and how it oh, says good. you're supposed to go to your brother, uh, whereas it wasn't handled right. But I, 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 at the same time, I know the people that I offended, the way the way my heart was at the time. Even if they had come to me, I don't know that I would have taken it seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I especially when I was younger, I was a very cut and dry let's get it done and it could be it could be abrasive mm-hmm. um in, in fact looking back on it now i i'm pretty sure i could make anyone i wanted to cry Ooh. just mm-hmm. because i could pick the right thing to say and, and so i don't know that i would have necessarily because i was raised in a tough love kind of family hey you know
1: now where were you raised
2: i was raised in new jersey
1: Okay, which it,
2: is the greatest place to be raised, until you have to deal with all the things you learned wrong <laughs> from growing up in New Jersey.
1: <laughs> there, there's a, there's a sort of, um, you, you just tell it like it is in that culture. It's, right?
2: a, it's a much more direct culture, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. I, I love that because people are much more true and genuine to you may not like how they say the things and you may not even like the things they say but you don't have to wonder what they're thinking Mm -hmm. whereas now that i live in kansas and in the midwest there's a lot of people that will give you pleasantries and niceties that good midwest charm Mm -hmm. but they might not tell you what they're really thinking Mm -hmm. and the moment you're out of the room the gossip mill starts and they start talking about you behind your back i'd much rather personally have someone tell me off to my face (laughs) Uh, in fact uh, a friend of mine uh, a pastor named jesse out of ogden utah he says it this way he says i want to say the worst things i can say about you to your face and say the nicest things behind your back Ooh, that's very nice
1: that's a great mindset
2: yeah it's When he he said it, it's like, hey, that's exactly how I think. But you just you figured out how to say that.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. So um, I I just want to clarify to make sure that nobody misunderstands that your pastors, you were telling me uh, that your pastors would would wet the carpet with their tears of intercession for people. Oh, yeah. And and so they they probably really prayed through about how to handle your situation and they weren't that wasn't necessarily something that they would do that way
2: for everybody. None of our church staff are flippant. By the time they decided, hey, we need to bring him into the office <laughs> I had missed the subtle clues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you remember Brother Tony used to talk about how if you hear the audible voice of the Lord, that's because you missed all the other ways he tried to speak first. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Our our my pastors are some of the most caring and loving people. And they pour their heart out for their congregation. But they're also some of the most caring and loving people, and they will do what is necessary to protect the flock and to help you grow. And sometimes what is necessary is a go out behind a woodshed and mm-hmm. find a switch. <laughs> and I, you know, I am much more of the stubborn and hard-headed type in my natural personality. So for me, they had to deal with me as directly as I dealt with other people, you know, for some of the other folks in the church, they, they react differently. They, they still bring the discipline that's needed, but Every person receives and understands discipline in a different way. That's, yeah. And I am grateful that they didn't try and coddle me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have a five-hour meeting where you tell me 50 nice things and then you tell me, oh, and by the way, you're a jerk and everybody hates you. Let's just (laughs) skip to that part and then spend, instead of spending five hours on the niceties, spend five hours on the how do we fix this.
1: Yes. And that's what their heart was. Mm Mm-hmm. And- and God used that to fix you.
2: And I don't regret a moment of it.
1: You know, I'm reminded of um, the the message that Pastor Tony Kemp brought to us at our convention in 2020. I've just reviewed it recently, and I even just wrote a blog about it. So you can go out to our website and see that blog. It's called Deliver Us From Evil. Uh, but he talks about the five levels of God's love and how uh, the first level is evangelistic love it's um it's just acceptance whatever you know they're there we know we know that you're broken and we love you anyway and and then the second level is forbearance and that's like a pastoral love where they put up with uh immaturity you know for a while while you're growing they you know you might need a little discipline along the way but but there's forbearance to help you get through it but then mm-hmm. after that the third level is warning and i think you were at that third level was that that warning place that you know if if you don't fix this you're not going to be able to go forward you're not mm-hmm. going to be what you were in, what god intended you to be if you didn't if you didn't have this and then the the fourth level is redemptive affliction maybe you maybe you even got into that level they got into that level with you that redemptive affliction you were afflicted for six months of being set aside Mm -hmm. that was an affliction it was a it was a a, a tribulation to you it was a painful time yeah Uh, but but if you if you don't repent at that point then the final level is termination Hmm. where you know either you would you would lose. You would lose the position altogether if you didn't learn it in that six months. If you continued to do that after the six months were over, if you didn't learn it, you probably would have been terminated in in the position.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I think of uh, Paul in what was it First Corinthians where he told the church he said. Put that person out from the church. Yeah. Do not fellowship with them. Do, mm-hmm. do not allow them in. Let them be turned over to the torment of their soul so that they should repent and turn back to God.
1: Which they did. Glory to
2: God. I I don't know that I'd ever want to have to get to that situation with somebody. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> you don't want to have but to. In, it, it is a biblical reality mm-hmm. that if someone's far enough gone
1: mm-hmm.
2: down a lifestyle of sin... And an unwillingness to repent after the acceptance, forbearance, warnings—all mm-hmm. of it—we have to say, "Hey,
1: no, right." And because what happens is, if you don't deal with it, it infects the whole body. If you have an infection, in like think of a think of a a, a person with with uh, diabetes, for instance, and they get a wound in their foot, mm-hmm. and it won't heal, and it won't heal, and it won't heal, and it won't heal, and they go for months trying to get the thing healed sometimes they have to terminate that appendage Mm -hmm. in order to keep the person from going completely septic and dying from it. So there is a time in our life where we have to cut things off and if we can recognize that ourselves if we can receive correction if we can recognize uh when the holy spirit is dealing with us about something it's way easier if we let the holy spirit deal with us instead of um continuing in that way and somebody else has to continue has to contend with it well what did apostle paul said
0: he said endure hardness like a good soldier yep i mean a good soldier he he takes orders or he's out of the army right
1: right if if you yeah. don't submit to the discipline, you're done a
0: yeah.
1: and you have to cut things off that are infectious in order to keep the body whole and when we're dealing especially when we're dealing with a with a church body you you have to have good discipline you have to have. Holiness, let's bring it back to where we started. We started this thing with holiness, and holiness isn't how long your sleeves are or how high your collar is or what kind of shoes you wear or how long your hair is or any of those or isn't um depending on if you're a man or woman, you know <laughs> yeah um. It, it's what it is: is being separated unto God, yeah. and and God is holy because He is separate. He's God all by Himself. He doesn't need any help being God. He is God three in one: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and He is one, and He is He He's He's in a class all by Himself. Mm-hmm. And when we have been called to be separated unto Him, we've been called to to be like Him and anything that isn't like him doesn't belong in us. He he made us in his own image in the first place. He made Adam and Eve in in his own image in the first place, male and female made he them. And he's he's designed us to cooperate with him and to work with him and to to be uh, you know, in like in a in a father-son business together where You know, father trains the son until the son knows exactly how dad would do it. And then dad gives him the checkbook and says to everybody, okay, you can do business with my son the same way you do business with me. And that's the goal. That's that maturity that he's looking for in us.
2: Now, now hold on. Don't get too far ahead of yourself because I still got to teach that tonight. (laughs) I got my notes on that already ready to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll put a a, a link to that in... in, (laughs) the show notes, whatever. So God bless you all. Would you pray for our listeners? Sure.
2: First and foremost, God, we want to give you glory. Yes. yes. Father, Alleluia. Lord, we pray that the things that we said, the things that we discussed were not just words of ourselves because we're really good at talking and rambling, but that they were your heart being released. And that the words that were spoken on this podcast would come into the hearts of your people. And anyone that has an area where they need to come up to your standard, God let them come up anyone that has an area where they've held unforgiveness over offenses god Mm -hmm. show them the way of forgiveness yes Yes, anyone who's been seeking how can i come to that next level of maturity god let these seeds take root and bear inside them yes father i pray for everyone that's listening that they would see you Yes. As their ultimate reward. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that they would not be trying to do all these things for their own selfish gain, for their own greed, but that they would do these things knowing that the more we become like you, the more of him we get to know. Yes. God, we want to become more like you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we are willing to sacrifice any area of our lives that doesn't look like you. Thank you, Father. Lord, have your way in us. We begin and end with your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss, and I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence.